but I say to everybody here in Los Angeles and across the country, you need to look at three things. How great is the need for that thing, either psychologically or economically? Second, how great is the risk of reopening that thing? And third, what do you have to make it safe? And if you look at those things through need, risk, and safety, I think you can make the right decisions, not out of your emotions, like, hey, I'd love to go to the beach, but look at what's the greatest need. Uh, where can we get people back to work safely? So you have to be very measured, you have to be very strong, and you have to listen to the medical doctors. Wow. That's the mayor of Los Angeles, Mr. Garcetti. Come for the weird analysis, stay for the contradicting himself. and then Not near enough ever from these people about how completely out of bounds it is for the government to be telling businesses you have to shut down and you're not allowed to go to work. There needs right. to be groveling in every single statement. There needs right. to be... I am so sorry we had to do this, and I want to open them any, the first second we can. But there's just not enough of that. Um, it's because they don't have those feelings. They don't have those emotions about it. Well, and, you know, we've discussed this for years and will continue to, that those, the do-gooders in politics, those who think that the government is really here to run your life and help you because you're not smart enough to make good decisions, and, and, and so we're going to impose them upon you. Uh, those people usually make all sorts of noises about the, the working people of America and the, the poor and the rest of it. And these uh, blanket, unnecessary stay-at-home orders and closing down businesses are wildly disproportionately hurting the middle class. How does a waitress work from home? You know, how does a machinist work from home? Actually, that's really good paying work. But, um, you know, how does a blue-collar person work from home? You can't. And so it's odd that uh, apparently their uh, desire to be do-gooder busybodies has trumped their uh, mewling about the uh, the poor people. Now, uh, a little breaking legal news. Uh, this from uh, my home state of Illinois. Following a challenge from a local lawmaker to Governor J.B. Pritzker's modified stay-at-home order, a Clay County, Illinois judge on Monday issued a temporary restraining order blocking enforcement of the governor's executive order. Uh, they filed a lawsuit declaring the governor overstepped his authority each time he extended the effective date of his emergency order. Uh, says the uh, lawmaker, State Rep. Darren Bailey, I filed this lawsuit on behalf of myself and my constituents who are ready to go back to work and resume a normal life. Now, it's it's not over, obviously, but yeah, the judge ushered a, a TRO, as we say, in the business, um, saying, no, you can't enforce this stuff. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes, but... It's about time some of these policies were put to a little constitutional absolutely uh, uh, you know test absolutely. Uh, San Francisco announced yesterday they're extending the shutdown till May fifteenth. Is that the new date? Yes. Um, or or was it through the end of May? Maybe it's through the end of May. I'll look that up. But uh, yeah. longer than it was before. Whereas Texas, the second biggest state in the country, will let its stay-at-home order expire allowing stores, restaurants, movie theaters, and malls to reopen this Friday. So that's two completely different ways of looking at it. Right, right. Well, at the very least, and to get back to your statement, which I agree with completely, that every limitation, every statement of some limitation ought to be accompanied by a, listen, we know how incredibly un-American this is. This is uncool, but we have to. 
You know, if you want to make that argument to us, we'll either buy it or we won't. But at least you're recognizing the fact that what you're doing is so wildly against every cultural and constitutional norm we have in this country uh, that that you really ought to explain yourself. Um, but we have so clearly gone from flattening the curve to just limiting the loss of life. Yep. And if we have to sacrifice everything uh, on your behalf, well, we're going to make you sacrifice everything. It'll be worth it. Now, I, and again, I'm not a denier. I'm not a. I'm not scoffing at this thing. It's a horrific disease and and can really really hurt and kill people. Um, but at the same time, we cannot sacrifice the hundreds and hundreds of thousands to save the tens of thousands. It is some grim damn math, man. It really is. I oh, yeah. can't even make those words come out of my mouth. Oh yeah, I've 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 got some of it for you right here. Um, the uh, Washington Examiner editorial board uh, talking about opening the country back up and how we need to really pay attention to the amount of money uh, we're throwing around right now, the trillions of dollars here, trillions of dollars there, um, to try to keep the country afloat. This crisis will drive public debt to 101% of gross domestic product. There are only two other years in U.S. history when the debt exceeded the size of the economy, 45 and 46. That's uh, the very end of World War II. Um, debt was at 104 and 106%. Fighting World War II coming out of the Great Depression. Right. We're, we're at those numbers now. But after World War II, the underlying obligations of the government were much smaller. Social Security was in its infancy. Life expectancy was lower. The number of beneficiaries was dwarfed by the number of workers, so it paid for itself. And Medicare and Medicaid were 20 years away from existing. Now, those programs are the bulk of what we got to pay for. So as the economy boomed after the war, the debt steadily shrunk. But as the U.S. emerges from the coronavirus, which we hope will be soon, um, we'll be entering a period of rapid growth in debt caused by accelerated entitlement spending. So we've got the opposite economic situation staring us in the face as the last time we had these kind of numbers. Even before the crisis hit, debt was expected to reach a jaw-dropping 180% of GDP in the coming decades on on the trajectory we were on. Uh, As the Washington Examiner editorial board says, the U.S. came into this crisis woefully unprepared for the inevitable spending binge to come. It will emerge in fiscal shambles. Well, and it's uh, it's got to be said, the Trump administration has been terrible in terms of fiscal responsibility. Oh, absolutely. That editorial uh, points that out. I I shouldn't have skipped over that, that we have gone to... uh, we uh, lower taxes and higher spending, and both parties are in agreement with that. It's just, uh, the the uh, the Democrats would like higher taxes, but the spending more than we take in is definitely everybody's fine with that because we've been doing it for decades through all kinds of different administrations. Right, right. You know, there's a new Twitter account. Let me see if I can find. There it is not right. a party that represents the idea of um, spending less than you take in. No, no, not anymore. Uh, let's see. There's a new um, there's a new Twitter account. Joe Getty quotes um, that quotes me, and uh, I can't remember what I said ten minutes ago. So it's very handy for me. Oh, there it is. Okay, there's the uh, Twitter account, and uh, I would like to quote myself. And this is why I pointed that out about the Trump administration. Uh, let's see. You'd think I could just paraphrase it since. All right, now I can't find it. The long and short of it is, if you become like a religious devotee to your party and don't hold your party to account, it'll rot from within. 
And then what are you rooting for? It's like, you know, a sports fan rooting for a pile of laundry. You got different guys all the time. It's just, you know, it's just a, a brand. And listen, I, I happen to prefer one of the brands over the other, politically speaking. But if the Republican Party abandons everything it's always claimed to be, well, you know, how do you still have enthusiasm for it? Well, we're not going to have any choice at some point. Uh, <clears throat> when that point hits, I don't know. But these are some astounding numbers that are being thrown around. Four trillion in added debt this year, probably two trillion next year. Right. Absolutely right. amazing. Oh, the other part of this uh, Joe Getty quotes Twitter account that I like is the the picture is me, and it's a fairly flattering picture. My head on top of the body of a shaven-chested bodybuilder who's inexplicably shirtless yet wearing a sport coat, there you go. which is a really good look. Cool look. I cool. got experiment like with that Chip look. Like Chippendales dancer sort of look. Yeah. Maybe a bow tie. The shirtless yeah. bow tie look is very popular. I, I've never been able to pull it off, but. <laughs> I've never attempted it. I'd I'd pay a dollar to see it. To just wear the bow tie? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. We got this text, speaking of physiques. My pants have never made a red mark around my belly until now. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the corona living right there. (laughs) Oh, boy. What do you do if you start getting a red uh, red mark around your belly? You get bigger pants. Come on, the the answer's simple. Pivot Grab your elastic. iPad, pivot yeah. to elastic, pivot to sweatpants. Come on. They'll get it delivered eventually. You're only zooming from the waist up. Let's uh, we, have, we know how it works. Jack, yeah. national, uh, national crisis. Uh, we'll report on this in a couple of minutes. But as people are failing to make their rent, more and more landlords are soliciting sex from vulnerable tenants, according mm. to activists. Is that actually happening? Mm. The activists are actually claiming it is. All right. That's happening. Porno landlords. <laughs> is this a thing? Perv lords. Uh, what has the NFL got planned for their upcoming season? They're trying to figure out how to make that happen and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. with Sesame Street to do a coronavirus town hall for kids. Bert and Ernie were there, which makes sense because Bert's been cutting his own hair for years. There you go. Mm. Um, what are the NFL season and the NBA season going to look like? Have some more details on that in just a second. What about baseball? Yeah, that's I like, funny. I like the baseball. I don't know about the baseball. It's outdoors. Fresh breezes. The healing winds or something. It does know. seem like it'd be easier to have baseball. The yeah. healing wind. I don't know. That was just bless, obviously. But uh, the healing winds are actually killing me right now as everything's in bloom where I live. And oh my gosh, the allergies. And I'm taking antihistamines that are, you know, the, the, they're, they're of the size, the dosage and power to treat circus elephants. And it's just not doing it. Anyway, uh, advocates for women have reported a spike in cases whereby landlords are requesting sex from tenants in exchange for rent during the coronavirus pandemic. Is this actually happening? I don't know. More than twice anywhere. I'll I'll offer some to my landlord. I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Double standard. 
According to NBC News, executive director of the Hawaii State Commission on the Status of Women says her office has seen more reports of landlords sexually harassing tenants in the past two weeks than in the past two years. I, I got are landlords demanding or are uh, tenants offering? That would be two different things, right? Yes. Uh, oh, by golly. This, uh, ethically speaking, this is a conundrum. It's not nearly as clear cut as the activists would have you believe. If consenting adults are lawfully permitted to engage in acts of uh, physical, you know what? You know what it is? It's economic, uh, what's the word there, oh, Sean? It's, it's a, right here. It's on the tip of my economic tongue. Economic intercourse. And economic intercourse is what it is, Joe <laughs> exactly Biden. Exactly what it is. Joe Biden had it nailed down right there. That's economic, economic intercourse. Economic intercourse. It's the very definition of it. Um, <laughs> now, if if it's lawful to do that, now I understand prostitution laws, you know, they vary place to place, but... If if somebody says, I can't pay my rent this month. I'll mow the lawn for the apartment complex in lieu of my rent. Right, would exactly. Would be okay. If, if a land, if, if, let's start with an easy case to me. If a tenant offers to perform a service in lieu economic of Economic intercourse. Right. Mowing the entire complex would be a great example. Or, uh, you know, I'll repaint the lines in the parking lot. I have, I have a large stock of parking lot paint. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't think anybody in the world would object to that. No. If a tenant, again, to keep it a fairly easy case, said, I tell you what, uh, I'm, a, I'm a good-looking woman or man, depending on the case, and uh, my services would what? go for X hundred dollars uh, 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 an hour... Um, I'm willing to have sexual intercourse for you uh, in, in lieu of my rent. Economic uh, intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> pretty, it's pretty tawdry. I can well, s- no, wait. I'm not talking about tawdry. I'm talking about permissible. I'm talking about lights on with classical music playing. What do you mean you're not talking about tawdry? <laughs> that's, that's not our standard here. The, the, the word tawdry does not appear in the Constitution. I'm talking about whether should. this should should be illegal or 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 not permitted. So uh, if a, we'll we'll make it a heterosexual thing for now. But well, why would I do that? If if a tenant offers sex in lieu of the rent, economic intercourse, then then that to me is it's it's tawdry, but it's permissible. What if the landlord said, "Boy, I really sympathize with your problem. There, you got no money. Let's see, what could we think of you could do that normally I would be willing to pay for, and we can have an exchange barter, as it were, as opposed to a cash transaction? Would you be willing to have sex in lieu of the rent money? Now, if it's like I think you'd have an exp- I think if you allowed that, you'd have an explosion of landlords demanding sex or or hinting at demanding sex. Good thing or bad thing for uh, from their tenants. Let's see. This report from Hawaii shows that ten incidents have been reported about nine landlords. So at least one guy got to know and decided to try again. <laughs> Jeez. Let's see. Um, well, blah, if this blah, blah. sweeps the nation, we'll uh, we'll update oh, you. Well, on wait it. a minute. Under the Federal Fair Housing Act, sexual harassment by landlords is illegal. Hmm. So there you have it. And you can see why it would be because it'd be so, you, you, it's such a power position. You talk, you know, the the whole you're the boss, she's the employee. That, what better power position is there than the I'm the landlord? And I, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic though that sex is seen as such an outlier and such a special thing, right? Um, whereas if your landlord said, "Hey, would you be willing to do this? Any anything but sex." Somebody might say, wow, that's really creative and generous of them to offer that. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. 
Um, uh, so the NFL season at least has got a plan currently that they have actually put out there. Uh, the idea is uh, start a little late. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I meant to. Hey, positive, Sean. Yes. Uh, revenue is a little low right now, and so uh, I'm not sure we can we can pay you. But uh, I have an idea. I want to talk to you. <laughs> Economic <laughs> intercourse. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Have, have you heard the vice president lately? Economic <laughs> intercourse. <laughs> So the NFL, depending on when things happen again, and it won't be in front of crowds. I don't think anybody thinks it'll be in front of crowds, at least not anytime soon. But the NFL could push back the Super Bowl by three weeks, put it back, which would put it in late February, mm-hmm. eliminate all the bye weeks, eliminate the Pro Bowl game, and preseason Finally. game, and eliminate preseason games, which are fine, fine, uh, and and pull off the entire season. They think fairly easily, huh? Just in empty stadiums. Yeah, because you would be able to start a full five weeks late and fit in all the games that way. But no Pro Bowl, huh? No Pro Bowl, Michael. I'm sorry to hear <laughs> Oh, that. man. But uh, no bye weeks, no Pro Bowl, no pregame, and the Super Bowl is three weeks late. They can they can start five weeks late and get the full season in. Which uh, So that's what they're hoping for. Okay. Well, yeah. Everybody's looking for a plan B these days, so Sean's, I hope they can do it. Sean's convinced the NBA is going to come back because they've, there's something in the contracts with the regional networks that you have to hit 70 games in a season to make to hit a threshold of money, and there's mm. only you know half dozen games left to do that. Plus, you can do playoffs. I think it'll happen. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. Now, I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason. Unless, of course, you have a reason, and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open. And all stores must close unless, of course, they need to stay open. This virus is deadly. But don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. (laughs) That's that's, that's what's there. You go. That's all laid out for you right there. Goes on for a while. That's Ashley Flaming Stump. Is that her name? Exciting news, Jack. My mole traps have been shipped. They ought to be here within a day or two. Fantastic. Excellent. I appeal to the listening audience for ideas on how best to dispatch the moles that are ripping the hell out of my yard. And actually, it was Matt, the professional mole trapper, who came to the fore, came to the front of the line and said, let me advise you, son. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to get it on. So, I think we're going to have a little, a little uh, dead mole time coming so, up. So my advice, which was largely based off of how Bill Murray handled something similarly in Caddyshack, didn't didn't do a lot of good for you. Well, uh, on the other hand, Sean, a number of listeners, well, one guy in particular sent uh, some fabulous rednecky videos of people injecting gas into the whole complex of holes <laughs> and then putting a spark down there in the whole ground going, boom. <laughs> and like half the lawn lifting up and then falling again. I'm not sure I uh, 
You know, that's the sort of thing you got to see your grandpappy doing your pappy before you. And I would probably just blow myself up and kill people. But it's pretty funny. But uh, those moles are soon to be gone. So speaking of moles, Jack, you know who has moles in the United States? China. That's right, China. And I know some people are not big fans of Mitt Romney these days, but, man, he wrote a whale of an editorial in the WAPO. Oh, that's right. He voted yes on impeachment, didn't he? Uh, on the one article, yeah. 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 Well, and, and he's been a thorn in uh, Donald J's side, and a lot of people resent that. But America is awakening to China, writes uh, Willard. The COVID-19 pandemic has revealed that to a great degree our very health is in Chinese hands. From medicines to masks, we are at Beijing's mercy. Embarrassed by the revolution of this, uh, I'm sorry, the revelation of this vulnerability, politicians in Washington will certainly act to remedy our medical dependence with the usual fanfare and self-congratulations. But China's stranglehold on pharmaceuticals is only a small sliver of its grand strategy for economic, military, and geopolitical domination. The West's response must extend much further. It will require a unified strategy among free nations to counter China's trade predation and its corruption of our mutual security. This is good stuff. Uh, Let's see. Let me hit you with one or two more sentences. In recent years, China has succeeded in disproportionately positioning its citizens and proxies with loyalties to the Chinese Communist Party in key international governing bodies, allowing it to expand its geopolitical influence. Old Dr. Tedros in the WHO. Chinese, the WHO, he's a Chinese stooge. Wow, that's some good strategy thinking ahead there to uh, to have people in place in an organization like the WHO so that if you ever need them, you got somebody out there standing up for you. And yeah. especially seeing how effective it is because the whole world buys the act, including the U.S. media. China, yeah, that's a good point. China relentlessly badgers and bribes nations to avert their leaders' eyes from its egregious abuses of Tibetans, Uyghurs, and other minorities, as well as its targeting of pro-democracy leaders in Hong Kong, a bunch of whom just got arrested. Uh, The same methods result in the geopolitical isolation of Taiwan. All the while, China spreads pacifying propaganda throughout the world. Even right under our noses, so-called Confucius Institutes peddle pro-Chinese messages in America's colleges and high schools. You tell him, Mitt, man. I didn't know Mitt was that big a China hawk. This is good stuff. Uh, it talks about Chinese military spending, expansion in the Pacific. Um, no wonder the Philippines and other Pacific nations have cozied up to their powerful neighbor. However, Today, however, Beijing's weapon of choice is economic. The tip of its spear is global industrial predation. China not only steals technology from other nations, it massively subsidizes industries it determines to have strategic importance. Further, it employs competitive practices that have long been forbidden by, by developed nations, including bribery, monopoly, currency manipulation, predatory pricing. Good for you, Mitt. Way to go. Hit him hard. I, he didn't come off uh, so jivey, he would have uh, been the president. I hope that uh, this has some staying power in the Lindsey Grahams and the Mitt Romneys and whoever else is awakened to this, um, uh, sticks with it, and it, it stays in the news, and it's uh, it's actually, you know, there's some politics behind it. I worry about it going away as soon as we get past this crisis. Well, and what really pisses me off, and listen, both sides do plenty that's loathsome. But any time Donald J., for instance, makes a move countering China's power, the Democrats accuse him of xenophobia and racism or whatever. 
And it's just, just it's terrible because the soft heads of America, they just need your think, well, I'm against racism, so I better say uh, I'm I'm against this as well. Uh, they don't understand. And, and the fact that, you know, your Nancy's Pelosi would be so cynical. And and so desperate for power that they would undermine our strategy uh, to counter China just to gain political points. I mean, that is really bad. That's disgusting. On a completely different topic, I was just looking up at the news, and uh, this story came up. Florida's ground zero for the nursing home. I mean, we're God's waiting room. We have a huge number of facilities, a huge number of residents. Number one. That's not what it was labeled. That doesn't sound like the toilet paper demand report. Um, uh, I was looking up at the, the, the... Okay, go ahead. Georgia Pacific, the company behind brands like Angel Soft and Quilted Northern, says demand for toilet paper has increased by 40%, and they're working as fast as they can to keep up. Some major manufacturers are even selling toilet paper on their websites directly to consumers, like Charmin, where you can buy its so-called forever roll. It lasts the typical family one month. It's 13 inches wide costing nearly $30. You can buy a $30 roll of Charmin toilet paper called a forever roll? Wow. That lasts a month? How how, how big did he say it was? It's not going to fit on the spindle did thing, Did he say right? 13 inches? Yeah, that one. you got to have on. one of them uh, for a fancy freestanding uh, TP uh, holder thingies. All right. We have one of those upstairs. Um, but anyway, or craft your own, use a little ingenuity. I was looking up at the, uh, whatever I'm watching in today's show or whatever, household short supply shortages. When will staples like toilet paper and sanitizer be back on the shelves? I was in the pharmacy over the weekend and they still have the signs up of here are the things we're out of. And it's wow. a long list of things. Wow. All your hand sanitizers, your Clorox wipes, all that different sort of stuff. I got to admit as an American, I'm pretty shocked I wasn't shocked that, you know, this virus hits and in the first week we run short on it. But I didn't think it would last a month and a half and you still can't buy any hand sanitizer. Or I would have been buying it uh, in bulk like everybody else was. Well, modern logistics are astounding. to be smart. A company can predict their sales uh, with amazing accuracy. Then it tailors its capabilities, its production uh, capacity to those needs, that range. The the downside, though, is that if all of a sudden you need, you know, 40% more, it's an incredibly difficult process to gear up to that. Stockpiles don't exist anymore. Inventory doesn't exist anymore. Well, clearly You've heard that's the, the phrase case. before, we're, we're a just-in-time economy now. I, I assumed there were warehouses full of a lot of this crap, and it was just a matter of, okay, here's our chance to really sell it, and it'd be on the shelves in no time. We're a month and a half into this. And a lot right. of these stores, you still can't get any, you know, a lot of these products. That, that's amazing to me. I didn't, I didn't know that was our situation. Next time there's a crisis of any kind, I will, for the first time in my life, be the run to the store, buy a bunch of it guy. Oh, panic buying, hoarding. Well, yeah, that's the smart thing to do now that I know that if you don't get a bunch of Clorox wipes, you won't get any for a month and a half or two months. How, when's it, when are they going to finally start coming back? I don't know. Right, right. No TP. You gotta squat and drag yourself across the lawn like a dog. It's humiliating. For whatever reason, toilet it's paper. Difficult. Toilet paper has not been a challenge for us, but hand sanitizer, Clorox wipes, that sort of stuff. We've run out of some of that, and you just can't buy it most places. Yeah, yeah. The Shocking raw materials are out. That see, I get that. I just, I would think they'd be able to 
within, you know, a month, six weeks, be able to crank that stuff out? Because obviously they'd be making money. Oh, like, yeah. You know, nuts. Yeah. There's so, there's so much financial incentive in doing it. Does it have anything to do with the other end of it? Their employees can't work or can't mm. work the way they normally do? Is, it, is, that, is that it? That yeah, if it, it could if, be. If this were a different sort of crisis... You could rent because how does Ford go from making F one fifties to ventilators in three right. weeks? But the company that already makes a certain product can't get out enough damn hand sanitizer that a month and a half later, uh, major metropolitan areas have it. It's surprising well, to me. And how about you, uh, brawny paper towel people? You're already cranking out sheets on a roll. Just soak them in lye, bag them, and ship them. I mean, or something. How can we, how can we not be able to convert to like Clorox wipes? Is it the chemicals? We we lack the chemicals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing about nothing, but I I am surprised as, an, as an American. I am disappointed. I thought our might we just crank up the engine of necessity and and pump out whatever it is we need to people whenever we need to do it because that's what we are. Economic intercourse. Exactly, economic intercourse. I was just reading this story of all the pigs they're slaughtering there in the Midwest and Iowa. They're killing they're killing piglets by the hundreds and hundreds. Every oh, day. Man. Oh, man. Because they got no place to send them, nothing to feed them, and et cetera, et cetera. All right. They're going to kill them anyway, I guess. But so, well, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a very good point. They weren't going to. Yeah, they weren't going to live fulfilling <laughs> lives, go to college, visit Europe. Build a house of straw, sticks, and bricks. <laughs> Sit on the porch watching the grandchildren play in the front yard. That is a very good point, Joe. Yeah, that's funny. You know, I was reading this story and saying, well, you know, these are tough times. You just said, well, they're killing, they're slaughtering hogs. Right. You know how many hogs get slaughtered every day in the, around the world or in America? Well, Gazillions of them. And yeah. I find them delicious. Mm, the magical pig. Oh, my God. They had to kill the pig. Um, but, uh, yeah, they got they got no place to put them. And so similar to other supply shortage things and, and interruptions in the supply chain, we just we got too many pigs and not enough bacon here. But in between, we can't get it worked out right now. Oh, hey, and drugs. I mean, like recreational drugs, coronavirus, dealing a gut punch to the illegal drug trade, according to the San Diego Union-Tribune, paralyzing economies, closing borders, and severing supply chains in China that traffickers rely on for the chemicals to make such profitable drugs as methamphetamine and fentanyl. I'm sorry to hear that. Come on, China, now you're holding out in our fentanyl. How are we supposed to kill ourselves by the tens of thousands? Yeah. <laughs> How are we supposed to make ourselves forget our problems for the day? Um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. A lot of states are really opening back up this week. I mean, major changes well, where other states are cracking down. I have some updates on that coming up. Strong and Getty Show. In a new interview, Dr. Deborah Burks said that we're going to have a social distancing through the summer. Yep. At least I think it was her. They were wearing a lot of scarves. It was either Dr. Burks or Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. Ah, movie tradesmen. Speaking we're going to talk the, about the movie business. Yeah, huh? we're going to talk about the movie business may have changed forever. More on that coming up in a moment. What the stuff about the drug cartels is really interesting. Um, number one, as uh, they pointed out in the San Diego Union Tribune, you got paralyzed economies, closed borders, severed supply chains from China. Who knew, Jack? Wuhan, China, 
not only one of the world's centers for innovative research into bat coronaviruses, uh, it's also the epicenter of uh, chemicals for drug gangs. I had never heard cartels. of I had never heard of Wuhan, or at least I didn't remember ever hearing of Wuhan. It's a city of 11 million people. Right, right. It's how big China is. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, AP interviews with nearly two dozen law enforcement officials and tracking experts found Mexican and Colombian cartels um, are way down. Uh, it's turned cities into ghost towns, blah, blah, blah. Um, along the 2,000-mile U.S.-Mexico border, through which the vast majority of illegal drugs cross, the normally bustling vehicle traffic that smugglers use for covers cover has slowed to a trickle. Bars, nightclubs, and motels across the country that are ordinarily uh, big drug marketplaces, they've shuttered. Uh, yeah, you can picture people in bars, nightclubs, and motels buying drugs. And prices for drugs in short supply have soared to gouging levels. Mm. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Virtually every illicit drug has been impacted with supply chain disruptions at both the wholesale and retail level. Traffickers are stockpiling narcotics and cash along the border. They've seen a decrease in money laundering. Oh, that's going to hurt the uh, the family in Ozarks. Um, uh, Godfathers are scrambling. Cocaine prices up 20% or more in some cities. Uh, in L.A., the price of methamphetamine has more than doubled in recent weeks to $1,800 per pound. Wow. That is, uh, that's disappointing. Price gouging. I like this statement from the former deputy administrator of the DEA, Jack Riley. You have shortages, but also some greedy bastards who see an opportunity to make more money. No way. They're, they're meth dealers, Jack. They're selling people death. If they're, they're doing them a favor by doubling the price. So we watched at our house over the weekend Trolls World Tour, the new Trolls movie. That uh, came out, not in a theater, but ordering it on your TV. It's a movie all about hostile young men who say nasty things on the internet? No, it's a funny little troll dolls, and in this case they sing, and it's uh, Justin Timberlake's really the star of the whole darn thing, and uh, and uh, James Corden, and uh, a bunch of stars. It's really a pretty pretty fun movie. But So in uh, in April... The studio, Universal Pictures, made the decision with the coronavirus coming and everything like that. You know what? We're not going to release this in the theaters. We're going to release it um, where you can order it at home for 20 bucks. Now, I saw this on Friday. Uh, we, we saw it on the on-demand. We were looking for something to watch and saw it on there. And my son said, oh, Trolls, the new Trolls movie is out. we got to watch it. Come on, Dad! So I click on the rent thing, and it's $20 out of $20. Right. But then, uh, you know, if I, we can't go to the theater, and if I could go to the theater and I took them, we'd spend way more than $20. Right. Uh, all of us going and eating food there and everything like that. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and order it up. And then they actually, you get it for 48 hours, so they watched it several times. We definitely got our money's worth. Well, lots of people did that, and it made a ton of money. Um, huh. Three weeks later, after releasing it for nineteen ninety nine on Apple TV, Trolls World Tour has racked up $100 million in rentals. With nearly 5 million rentals, the digital release has in three weeks generated more revenue for Universal than the original Trolls movie, which was a huge hit, did in, in its five-month theatrical run. The main reason wow. being, mm. when you show it at a theater, the studio gets half the box office sales. Right. The digital rental, they get 80% of the take. Right. Now, there is a certain advantage that theaters aren't even open, obviously. So that forces a lot of people to do this, but... Boy, you get in the habit, especially with kids' movies, of uh, of being able to, as soon as it comes out, you don't have to stand in line or go to the noisy theater or do any of that sort of stuff. You order it at home. It's cheaper in the long run. Anyway, 
I don't know why I would, if this option existed, I don't know why I would ever take my kids to a movie theater ever again in my life. Right. Well, and clearly the model works for the studio. Oh, yeah. So, They've got great incentive to do that. Yeah. Now, I still think that your kind of your gigantic blockbuster summer movie sort of things are still going to exist in theater uh, release weekends and opening weekend style, things like that. But the kids' movies and kind of more fringy stuff, I think we're going to see a lot more of those just go direct to consumer. The most interesting and uh, and disappointing um you know, a realization that I've heard about the movie business in recent years is that they have money for gigantic China-friendly blockbusters and tiny, low-budget, micro-budget uh, indie films. But it, the middle tier, nobody's making the middle tier. It just doesn't make any economic sense. Well, if the studios are going to keep the entire revenue stream, you know, they'll split it with the cable or whatever. I'm sure they carve off a little bit. But the point is, I could see this leading to a resurgence of the mid-sized mm, that'd movie. Be, that'd be nice. Absolutely. You know, Woody Allen, I, love that. Uh, I read his autobiography, and he mentioned in his book, he has for years been funded by uh, uh, other countries since the United States has abandoned that middle tier, as you just said. He gets his funding from various countries around the world that still make those kind of movies. Perfectly good, solid hits, but not blockbusters. You know, we don't do that in America right now. He's not funded by Thailand, is he? Just oh, that is unfair. That is very, very unfair. I, I thought for like 10 seconds about whether I should make that joke. Is that funny ha-ha like a Woody Allen movie or funny peculiar like a Woody Allen marriage? <laughs> that's, a Norm, that's a Norm McDonald line. Um, what states are closed and what states are opening up and how much are they opening up? All the latest is out. Texas is opening up a lot. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty.